Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. Borders has solidified empires, kingdoms, and territories. In the modern era, it outlines countries, districts, and states. And when land is being carved up, humans have always tried to get the biggest piece of the pie. More resources, more space, more money. But what happens when a supposedly simple land survey turns into the dividing factor that pushes indigenous tribes a certain direction, separates a country nearly into two halves, and causes neighbors to go to war with one another all over honey. You get one of the most important land surveys in American history that few know about. You get the Honey War. But before I tell you this hard line in the sand, Nick, how are you and what are you drinking? I've been better, but I am happy to be drinking some dead guy ale. How about you, Mike? How are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm not doing too bad. I got some Coletto Creek bourbon by me. It's keeping me warm inside during these cold months. And uh, Nick, I'll let you know, this is a clusterfuck of idiocracy. So anyone listening, have a drink ready. It starts with the Louisiana Purchase, a deal made in 1803 between America and France, where the French sold a huge amount of land to a relatively new country, the United States. All this new land, which was now being explored and colonized by the Americans, was relatively unmapped to the Western world. In turn, many map makers and surveyors were hired to explore, drop lines, and understand the terrain. One such surveyor would be John C. Sullivan, born December 9, 1788. He would be tasked with drawing such a line in the United States, which he named the Sullivan Line, classy fellow, and in 1816, John Sullivan would work and draw the Sullivan Line a line that would run east to west that occupies the border between Iowa and Missouri, from river to river, from the Mississippi to the Missouri River. Or, that was the original plan. Also, for the most part, this would be the line that kind of separated the northern United States from the southern United States. I'll get, that, I'll get to that in a bit. When Sullivan was doing the survey, many complications would occur. The first, well, wasn't the best at his job. He used magnetic north instead of true north when surveying. That's a huge deal. And when you're trying to map territory, having the right north is extremely important. Secondly, when moving from east to west, his line wasn't the straightest. He had a slight bend in the middle, causing Sullivan line to be non-parallel, which is also an issue when you're supposed to draw a straight line. But nonetheless, the Sullivan line would be complete, and the border between Iowa Territory and Missouri Territory would be made. At this time, both were not states. Missouri would not become a state until 1821, five years after the Sullivan Line was drawn. Sullivan himself would die July 27, 1830, and lucky for him, he would not be alive to see the debacle and chaos that his line caused. For after his death, things got messy. The line he made would become an area of conflict, an area of importance, an area defining nations. In the same year Sullivan died, 1830, 
And a little bit before his death in July, the United States would use the Sullivan Line for multiple times for treaties. I do want to say, as someone who's flagged property boundaries, it's like really, it's, it is very stressful because it's, you know, it's going to be used again. So you have to get it right and you have to start out on, a, on the right spot because everything that comes after it is going to be based off that line. So it's a very stressful job. Now, granted, I'm only going like a couple hundred feet, not <laughs> a whole state. Well, to make it a little more complicated, Nick, have you ever had to draw a borderline that would be used for negotiations? Again, loose quotations on negotiations with the Native Americans. Uh, no, usually the the border the the borders are pretty specific when we enter negotiations with the tribe. Gotcha. See, the Sullivan Line would be used multiple times for quote-unquote treaties with the Native Americans, and the government used it as a defining border. The Sullivan Line was a major border in the Indian Removal Act of 1830, which forced a lot of tribes to move south and west. They all had to be south and west of the Sullivan Line. A few years, a few years later, a few years would pass, Iowa would start to break away from being part of Wisconsin, that's was confusing to me as well, but Iowa used to be a territory of Wisconsin, which is important later on. The wooden pillar Sullivan used to mark and draw a physical line would start to deteriorate. So that line he drew from east to west, he used wooden pillars to mark it. Well, wood, weather, nature, sinking to the ground, it decimated the wood pillars. They were all but gone. With the expansion of the west by new Americans and more people moving out the direction, land claims and border disputes became more and more common. It was a land grab. And in 1837-38, Missouri decided it didn't really like how the border was drawn between its its other state, Iowa. And I want to talk about, so property lines, even today, they're hard to nail down because you have a certain, at least out west, are pinpointed at square miles, at least, for the public land survey system. And uh, the problem is we're using a two-dimensional tool over a three-dimensional object and it gets crazy when especially when you get back into this time like if you look at deeds to houses like on the east coast it'll be written up like from the big hemlock to the fence it's like well none of those things are there anymore so (laughs) (laughs) how are we supposed to do this which is exactly the problem it sounds like they're running into of you know (laughs) markers that just aren't there anymore a little bit of column a but also of column b of simply missouri wanted more land Missouri did not like the border between Iowa and Missouri, so they decided to come up with their new border. In the search for better land, they thought they would steal some from Iowa? That's that's their plan. And to do this, they decided to use their own surveyor. And also when doing this, they failed to notify the federal government or Iowa that they were doing so. Yeah, so this is the classic neighbor hires their own surveyor and they have like an extra two acres that they didn't know about from some shady surveyor. This is uh, this move continues. I didn't know that it, uh, one of the, hopefully originate, probably not originators, but the most famous example was the Missouri state, I guess, the state of Missouri. Well, in 1837-38, Missouri would hire one of their own, J.C. Brown, who was on the Missouri side from the get-go, kind of easily since he's, I, I believe, from Missouri. But also, J.C. Brown is easily confused and might be dumber than Sullivan. So you see, when the Sullivan line was being made, he used, supposedly, or supposed to use, the Mississippi River, 
which many locals to the area called the Mississippi River the Des Moines Rapids, not to be confused with the actual Des Moines River. So when J.B. Brown, who decided to conduct his own survey after being hired from Missouri, went back into the readings and saw Des Moines Rapids, and he thought that Sullivan was a moron and meant Des Moines River. So he would start his own point in the Des Moines River, not knowing that the Des Moines Rapids was the Mississippi River, the location he was supposed to start at. I think it's uh, important to also note rivers, especially large rivers like the Mississippi, change over time. Lots of dynamic forces of nature, changing soil erosion, floods, dams, etc., etc. So even the initial spot where Sullivan started could be dry land, could be deeper into the river. Don't really know. Nature doing nature things. <laughs> Anyhow, J.C. Brown new survey favored Missouri, obviously. Uh, one, it didn't help that he was hired by Missouri and definitely didn't help that he was using the wrong river. The Iowans, who were living in this disputed territory, did not like being forced to be part of Missouri and all of a sudden decided they would not pay taxes to Missouri. The year of 1838, Iowa would completely break away from being part of Wisconsin, like I mentioned earlier, and now decide not to pay taxes to Missouri. So needless to say, Iowa was in a rebellious mood. Seeing the writing on the wall, the federal government stepped in and tried to solve the problem diplomatically. And from my perspective, they actually came up with a relatively neutral and clever way to solve this problem. The federal government would hire three surveyors to solidify the border between Iowa and Missouri once and for all. One surveyor would be from Iowa, one would be from Missouri, and the third would be a third-party neutral member. And together, the three of them would map out the border. The three surveyors would map out a new border and come up with a completely different line than the Sullivan line and the J.C. Brown line. So instead of solving the issue, they in fact made it worse by now having three possible borders, which no state is happy about. Missouri said, no, we're using our surveyor's border, and Iowa said, no, we're using the Sullivan line, which now created a no-man's land of disputed territory between the two states. Both states laying claim to it and both ready to fight for it. The federal government at this point said, fuck it, we don't care, we're just, we're just going to leave for a while, don't worry, we'll be back in the picture later on. Now, Missouri, with this new land that they now claim is theirs, wanted to collect taxes. So, Missouri sent a sheriff and some agents to collect taxes. The sheriff would be Sheriff Henry Heffelman. Now, you have to imagine the people's minds at this time. These are, for the most part, frontier men who went west to seek a new life. The year is 1838, so it's possible some of them fought in the American Revolutionary War, and probably more definite that they fought in the War of 1812. This is like not far after the uh, the Whiskey Rebellion over this, not this exact thing, but over taxes people didn't want to pay. Taxes, paying taxes is hard enough. Imagine having to do it twice. <laughs> like you, you send it off and then some guy comes in and is like, well, I haven't got your taxes. Oh, you paid for Missouri? These, these are for Iowa. Yeah, and also can you imagine telling the people we're going to tax you are the same people who fought for no taxation without representation and they just re they just broke away from Wisconsin to become their own territory. Yeah, probably wasn't the best idea in hindsight, but keep this in mind. Back to Sheriff Heffelman of Missouri. He would go into this territory and ask people, or demand, depending on which side of the fence you listen to, for the people to pay their taxes to Missouri. Let's be honest, it's a demand. <laughs> if you were just asked to pay your taxes, you wouldn't have to pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, nonetheless, the people of Iowa, or this is Missouri, or this, we'll just call it disputed territory, they said no. And 
the people for this disputed territory, for the most part, placed themselves as Iowans, not Missourians. In turn, Sheriff Heffelman would cut down three honey trees and take it as partial payment for their taxes. Now, with tensions high and honey trees cut... Correct me if I'm wrong. Trees, Honey doesn't come from trees. It comes from the bees inside of them. So did they like take the beehives to make honey? Or is it like a honey locust? It's kind of, I, from what I could tell... They were tree, like they were kind of beekeeper trees. Like they were trees specifically supposed to have beehives on them. Gotcha. Cutting trees with uh, bees inside is one of my nightmares. Yeah. I've done it. We, we fell a tree that had a bald hornet's nest. And then we were supposed to collect cones. And we, uh, well, I didn't. I didn't want to go over there. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like the nightmare. Especially at that time. That's like a cross cut saw. That's like, it's not chainsaw. Bzz, 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 and you're done it's like all right guys let's gonna spend 45 minutes to an hour shaking this tree <laughs> with all these bees inside of it this is a little off topic but the reason i think they only cut down three trees is they probably got tired <laughs> like they didn't want to cut anymore yeah no shit <laughs> <laughs> all right uh yeah we're done here this is this is what we needed i think it's really important to note honey at this time and most of human history is extremely valuable it's sugar which is hard to get it's people's livelihood. Like, that's people's whole professions at this time is beekeeping. So this made a lot of angry mad, a lot of people mad. But with tensions high and the Missouri agents apparently threatening or making remarks to the people, again, this might be he said, she said scenario, the people of this disputed territory wrote to the governor of Iowa, Governor Robert Lucas. And in this time when the people wrote to the governor Lucas, Sheriff Heffelman of Missouri would be arrested by Sheriff Gregory of Iowa for illegally trying to collect taxes. Sheriff Gregory of Iowa, now having Sheriff Heffelman locked up and having no idea what to do, he wrote to the governor of Iowa asking, what the hell am I supposed to do? Governor Lucas gave probably the greatest political answer I've heard for a, in a long time. He said in non-exact words, but he said to the Sheriff Gregory, use your best judgment while still enforcing Iowa law. And that was it. Well, with that wisdom of advice, Sheriff Gregory would have meetings with the residents of the local people and try to decide what to do with Sheriff Heffelman. In short, no solution was made, and they simply released him back to Missouri. But guess what? Now it was Iowa's tax season, and Sheriff Gregory would be making the rounds in the disputed area, where he would be arrested by none other than Sheriff Heffelman. The tables have turned. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, well, at least you let him go. <laughs> now with sheriff gregory arrested by sheriff heffelman like how did the they not see this coming like that's the question oh no this is it, here's the sad part it gets way dumber oh, of course <laughs> so now with sheriff gregory missing the news traveling again at this time frame not at light speed many iowans thought missourians in fact kidnapped sheriff gregory and had no idea he was actually arrested. They thought they just snagged him. This would cause Iowans to rile with rage against Missouri. And a few days later, the news would finally reach what would happen, that he got arrested, but this did nothing to calm the anger of the people. So also, not knowing what to do, Sheriff Heffelman would release Sheriff Gregory back to Iowa. In turn of these events, Gregory Lucas of Iowa would make a proclamation on July 29th, 1839, saying that any Missourian officials that tried to pass into the Sullivan line, should and will be forced to leave or be arrested. In response, 
Governor Lindbergh Boggs of Missouri responded to Governor Lucas on August 23rd, 1839, about a month later, saying that Missourians officials shall continue to enforce the law in their territory and, if able to, not provoke Iowans. A month later, in September 1839, Governor Lucas would respond to that response, saying Iowans shall continue to enforce their law in their territory. In response to that response to that response, Greg, uh, Governor Boggs of Missouri would call for a militia to assemble. Missouri began gathering volunteers, about 600 men. Now, some accounts say it was high as 2,000, which I find doubtful. The reason why is the militiamen were responsible for their own gear and supplies. So, in other words, their own foods and weapons. And by all accounts, many of the militia were joining simply to get paid, and the pay wasn't great. So to ask a person to supply their own necessities is a tall order, and it's a tall order now as it was a tall order then. So I think 600 is the more accurate number than 2,000, but who knows. The Missouri militia, now assembled, wasn't really looking for a fight. Again, many volunteered simply to get paid. And by account, which I found hilarious, states that the Missouri militia had six wagons of provisions. Five of them were wagons of booze. So definitely, definitely in for a good time. Hearing of Missouri's militia, Governor Lucas of Iowa decided to make a bold move. He proclaimed that if Missouri were to invade Iowa territory, it was not waging a war with Iowa. It was in fact declaring a war on the entire United States. This did little to stop the militia to start marching into disputed territory. The people of Iowa, already pissed at Missouri, hearing that Missouri was on the move with a force, decided that they will meet force with their own. And some 1,200 farmers and town folks would arm themselves with miscellaneous weapons to go meet the Missourians. Now, when I say miscellaneous weapons, I do mean miscellaneous weapons. One eyewitness describes the Iowans as such, and I quote, In the ranks were to be found men armed with blunderbusses, flintlocks, and quaint old ancestral swords that had probably adorned the walls for many generations. One private carried a plow clutter over his shoulder by means of a log chain, and another had an old-fashioned sausage stuffer for a weapon, while a third shouldered a sheet iron sword about six feet long. End quote. Talk about everything in the kitchen sink. It's exactly... What you would imagine an Iowa versus Missouri fight would be, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, needless to say, things were out of control. So a case would be petitioned to the Supreme Court. A case would be petitioned to the Supreme Court to solve the bar, to solve the border dispute. The case would not go for go to trial for another six years. Keep that in mind. So while the militia would make its way into the disputed territory region, they would drink and fuck around for a little bit all while the Iowans are assembling their own force. In this time, the Missouri militia would grow angry and bored at both governors, blaming politicians, so in turn, the militia being angry, bored, and most likely drunk, killed the deer, split the deer in half lengthways, hanged both halves of the deer in a tree. They named one Governor Boggs of Missouri, the other half Governor Lucas of Iowa. And from there, with two halves of a deer named after the governors hanging in a tree, the militia would shoot the other shit out of both halves, shooting it so much 
When the militia gave the deer a mock military funeral, they are apparently burying small pieces rather than a carcass. Nice. Have, having drunk probably all their booze and shot the shit out of a dead deer, the Missouri militia would go home. That's That sentence right there, that's the most Midwest sentence I may have ever heard. <laughs> well, the great thing is, right when mil- the Missouri militia would be gone from the area... And if they put ranch on that deer... That's the only thing that can make that more Midwest. Oh my God, that's oh! I wonder if ranch actually existed at that time. But yeah, this is, it's get drunk, shoot shit. That's Midwest for and you. then go home. <laughs> and then go home. Oh. Yes. Welp. <laughs> <laughs> About time hitting the hay here. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. And right when the Missouri militia would be gone from the area, the angry Iowans would show up with their arsenal heavy quotations on arsenal the iowans seeing no enemy no militia no one to fight would in turn also return home luckily a battle is never fought physically only legally but that's not where the story ends oh no years of constant confusion of who owns and what and tall's what iowa would eventually become a state in 1846 and a few years later the court case would finally make it to the supreme court and in 1849, the Supreme Court would make a decision on the matter. If any are interested, the court case would be Missouri v. Iowa, 48, U.S. 660, 1849. The Supreme Court would find that the Sullivan Line, made 30-ish years ago, was in fact the true border between Iowa and Missouri. And to solidify this judgment, the federal government put 4 feet 6 inch tall iron markers every 10 miles that the markers would not disappear like the Sullivan's original wood markers, and that hopefully this would end it and the problem would never rise again. Hell, some of those iron pillars even exist today. But guess what? The iron pillars, the Supreme Court ruling, they wouldn't solve the problem. The border dispute between Iowa and Missouri and the importance of the Sullivan line would continue and would be the national limelight and would be in the national limelight for a moment when the United States entered a civil war. Missouri was a slave state that sided with the Confederacy. Iowa was a non-slave state that sided with the Union. This made tensions even more high. And borders extremely important. For if a slave was to escape into a non-slave state, it would be extremely difficult to be taken back into slavery. And the Sullivan Line was the difference between freedom and slavery for an escaping slave. And when they keep moving around the border, you don't know if you're safe or not. Which made it all difficult when Missouri and Iowa kept fighting to change the border and not having the defining line between the two. Eventually, the Civil War would end, slavery along with it, but that didn't stop the conflict. In the late 1800s, the border would once again be resurveyed. To make the border even more defined, instead of adding more iron pillars, they made granite monuments every 20 miles to completely solidify the border. This would work for a little while, until the 2000s roll around. And in 2005, the state of Missouri contracted a resurvey of the border. Nearly 200 years, Missouri is still salty at the Sullivan Line. And from what I can tell, 2005 survey came with nothing except for a waste of taxpayer money, which is ironic, for taxation is one of the main reasons for this dispute. And I would like to read a poem made by a Missourian who was around when the honey trees were cut down, which kind of escalated this whole scenario. The poem is called The Honey War by John Campbell. And it goes like this. Ye free men of happy land, which flows with milk and honey, arise to arms 
with your pony's mount. Regard not blood or money, old Governor Lucas, tiger-like, is prowling around our borders. But Governor Boggs is wide awake. Just listen to his orders. Three bee trees stand about the line between our states and Lucas. Be ready, all these trees to fall and bring things to a focus. We'll show old Lucas how to brag and to seize our precious honey. He also claims, I understand, of us three bits in money. Now if governors want to fight, just let them in person. And when noble bogs old Lucas flogs, he'll teach the scamp a lesson. Then let the victor cut the trees and have three bits in money and wear a crown from town to town, appointed with pure honey. Yeah, just about uh, nearly 200 years people have been fighting over a border dispute that I never knew that was a thing or a is- big issue. Yeah, I've never heard of that before, but I'm also not surprised by it. <laughs> uh, very true, very true. Well, now you all know about the Sullivan line and supposedly honey war, which only three trees, uh, only three honey trees were harmed in the making of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, guess some people just want to fight and uh land is very important but that's all i got for you nick well thanks for thanks or no thanks i guess you go either way on that story i feel dumber for knowing it but i also feel smarter for knowing it so i don't really know what to do with this information i guess is what i'm saying and with that being said thank you all for listening Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.